This is my own private domicile and I will not be harassed! Bitch! Gangsters, what's up guys? What's the grant to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Get the world by the tail! Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Cute as shit. Oh, 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 skip, skip, skip. If you don't chew big red, then f you. That's so horny. Could you imagine if I hit the old water pipe with that thing? Oh. Great cash, homie. Three, two, one, let's fuck! Everybody's got to hear the shit on W Balls, W Balls, W Balls. And it's that time of week again, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, good afternoon, good whatever time of day it is. Can you dig it? I can. My name is Sam LaCrosse, and I am the host of the Do Not Listen to This Podcast, the thing that you are hearing through your ear holes right now. So we have another original episode for you today. And this one is really interesting because it's very rare, I think. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people get inspired by quotes all the time and, you know, things like what Winston Churchill said or what Martin Luther King said or what Oprah Winfrey said or something like that. But it's very rare that I think someone has the verbal talent to really just kind of throw something out there and it sticks with people. Because when that usually happens, it kind of just, you know, it's like it's a throwaway thing or it's whatever. But you know, I think the people that are the best at conveying thoughts can convey thoughts in a very, very wide spectrum of ways. There's this old, um, there's this old uh, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche quote that basically he said that you know what takes you a whole book to say I can basically say in ten words. And I think that that power of oration is very, very powerful, and it can really, really teach us a lot about some concepts that we, I think, as Americans, as young Americans, if you're listening to this and you're young need to hear a lot more than we currently do. And one of those things, I believe, is the art of humility, which I think we're losing in, well, we're, we're crash landing, if we're even landing at all, we're just crashing at this point. And I have noticed this very, very recently a lot of different ways, or in a lot of different ways, excuse me, with a lot of different people. I think a lot of people have, but I don't think there's a way to really put it into words because when you say you know you're an arrogant cock that's not really kind of a conducive way to say or to fix the problem I would say not not a good way to fix the problem unless you're just kind of busting balls or doing whatever but I think there's a really really interesting thing that was said in a quote recently or maybe not recently earlier in the summer that I think helps encapsulate a lot of that and I think that was kind of the rock that I built this post upon and I think it turned out pretty cool and I think it's a really really interesting look into humility into arrogance into a lot of other into narcissism which is just the worst thing i think it's i'm slowly realizing i don't i think i've noticed this for a long time i think a lot of people other people have too but i think that narcissism and the role it plays in our world is really really starting to be very much apparent and that is prevalent in this post and a lot of other posts in this podcast whatever you want to call it but that's what we're going to get into today so without further ado let's just let's rip the bandaid off and let's go for it so like i said America has long been in search of our next great orator. Like a Mr. Rogers or a Walter Cronkite, they are the voice of reason that fills the souls of each and every citizen with the winds of hope, optimism, and solidarity. 
They're the through line between the left and the right, the religious and the non-religious, and every single ethnicity under the sun. They're the best of us because they say what we all know to be true, but are afraid to put out into the world. It's hard to find a person in our lives, even locally, that fills this function. The closest we can get, oddly enough, is that of probably your local daytime radio host, however underwhelming that can initially seem. Nonetheless, that doesn't mean that their function is all that different. Daytime radio hosts are often more truthful about everyday life than any of us like to admit. They don't get to start off the morning while you're or they don't get to start off the morning while you're driving to work with a hot cup of coffee and a knot in your stomach about the week ahead, nor at home when all you want is a beer, overcooked chicken breast, and your wife not to yell at you about the thing you know you should have done but you still haven't done. Daytime radio hosts, by definition, know their place in the world. They're the middle child. They're not important enough to start your day nor to end it. They're just there. They fill space. They know that they don't have anything special to bring to the table, so they do what they can to make do with what they have. This, also by definition, makes them the most relatable people out of any occupation in the world. Most everyone isn't that different from a daytime radio host. We feel like we have a place in the world. We feel like what we have to say is meritful or has value. But we know deep down that, at the end of the day, very little to none of all of those things will mean absolutely nothing. It may be important at the time, but the meaning of that importance soon goes down the toilet when the inevitability sinks in that what we did say is, indeed, not actually that important. And this inhibition about ourselves is an odd way of freeing us. It removes the constraints of what we feel that we have to do, say, and think should be, indeed, knowledge of truth in the first place. Liberation comes from the innate emotional notion that you can finally settle into who you truly are. When the weight of self-imposed oppression sheds itself from your, your shoulders... You feel that you can finally say what you really mean, do what you truly wish to do, and think in ways that you actually want to think. And this being said, I believe that the best person who can serve as our national daytime radio host, our great orator of everyday truth, is Tim Dillon. Like many hilarious YouTube comments, he would be better off serving as the new daytime radio host in the next Grand Theft Auto than in most capacities in any other than stand-up. And these people would be correct. Thankfully, the great and powerful one himself delivers a weekly radio show-esque product once a week via his popular podcast, The Tim Dillon Show. You're generally in for at least one great moment that will circulate from it per week. And earlier this summer, he had one for the ages. Shortly after the 4th of July, Tim Dillon was asked by his best friend, co-host, and producer Ben Avery what America means to him. Knowing that the question was coming, Dillon looked smugly away from the camera, took a breath, and started with, quote, This is what America means to me. What followed was nothing short of a nuclear 18-minute rant about despair, disappointment, and nihilism. It just didn't stop. As soon as you thought he might run out of gas at how he could have painted this, quote, beautiful and very disgusting country in any lower of a light, he came back with another Dangerfield-type zinger to both take the air out of the room and make it light up with laughter simultaneously. In the words of Dylan himself, he focused on, quote, what made this country great? Fraud, murder, and cool shit. We've got a lot of cool shit here. End quote. However, it was when the 2 o'clock in the afternoon, $42,000 a year salary daytime radio host S show rant ended that Tim Dillon dropped the greatest gem of all. After reminding everyone that America did 9-11 and to be very wary of what's coming next, it's a joke, by the way, Dillon referenced a story about a time where he and his father were driving. Dads, usually channeling their inner whimsicalness when driving them with their children down a long road they probably don't want to be driving down in the first place, have a way of putting things in very blunt and concise fashion. What Tim Dillon's father said 
which he claims were very brilliant and meaningful to him, channeled all of the energy that we've been discussing into four words. Quote, never overestimate your worth. Well, this was all a joke, like all great jokes. It always contained a small kernel of truth tucked inside of it. And this insight, this one small joke tucked into a rant with literally dozens of absolutely haymaking jokes, has a lot to say when you think about it. It can teach us things not about only our surroundings, but also ourselves. One of the big things that I've been noticing about our culture, particularly recently, as I mentioned before, is its definition and near obsession with both narcissism and incompetence. And if you couldn't tell, the combination of those two things usually never turn out to good outcomes. When you demand everything be about you, but you also cannot do anything of merit, it makes you no longer just an incompetent narcissist, but a fraud. It's no different than lying to people. In fact, it's worse because you're robbing them of an opportunity for someone to do something for them that could actually help them with something. So, for example, I saw an Instagram reel from a girl who went to my high school last week. She, like many young people in Gen Z, is bounced around aimlessly from major to major and ambition to ambition and job to job. She wanted to be a boss bitch, then settled for a time being a nurse, then wanted to be an entrepreneurial boss bitch. She now, having accomplished hardly anything of, quote, worth in her life, posted an Instagram reel about her, in her mind, you don't have to prove your worth to anyone. You're worthy of anything you want, just the way that you are. This small example is part and parcel of exactly what I described above, incompetent and narcissistic. Even though human beings are inherently valuable due to the fact that human life is the most valuable thing on earth, proving your worth in a particular space is a different scenario entirely. One of the more uncomfortable facts about life is that for a majority of cases, your worth is determined by people who are not you. You can create all the spreadsheets at work that you want, but if your boss doesn't like them, their worth drops to zero. You can think that you're piping your wife like your favorite porn star on the internet all you want, but if your wife thinks that you fuck like day-old spaghetti on amphetamines, your worth drops to zero. You can bake all the zucchini bread recipes you find on Pinterest all you want, but if your kids think that it and you for having the gall to call zucchini bread dessert are disgusting and loathsome pieces of garbage, it and your worth goes to zero. But no matter if you're an amphetamine-addicted pile of pasta or zucchini bread Satanist, there is a through line through all this talk of, quote, worth. It stems not from simple incompetent narcissism, but from something bigger. A strange cultural phenomenon is and has been happening for quite some time. With the explosion of new media and the hooks it has into our brains and eyeballs, it's exploded. That trend, that one simple thing, is what is causing this particular cultural mindfuck to take place. A lack of humility. Our cultural hubris and lack of humility currently has a vice grip on our culture. Firm evidence to this resides in things like the above example. So many people proclaim far and wide that they have the answers that somehow everyone seeks that they have a cure that, miraculously, everyone needs, and they can start a business that, remarkably, can serve every market on the planet. There are 850,000 active podcasts in existence. There is an undefinable amount of content being posted to TikTok and YouTube. You haven't seen even a fraction of the smallest amount your tiny mind can fathom. But these people, for the most part, have little or nothing to show for it. Like this podcast, my blog, don'treadthisblog.com, my book, Value Economics, Study of Identity, shameless plugs there, they probably aren't murdering it on social media. They probably don't have much of a presence on YouTube. They're hardly considered a thought leader, much less wor one worth taking their time out of their day to listen to them. 
They've rested on their laurels and hollowed out their speech because their personality is residing in something that isn't there. They're simply talking, being loud. There's no substance, only noise. There is no greater culmination of the horror this mindset can rage upon the world than that of our expert class. Our expert class, those whom we as a, we as a society have lifted on high as the saving grace of our culture from a wide variety of disciplines, are little more than glorified credentialists. They're hollowing out our country on the false pre pretense of them, quote, having all the answers, but actually knowing none of them. Millions suffer as a result from their consequences, all of which stem from a lack of humility required to serve effectively in a position of leadership. But to give these folks and the wannabe Instagram influencers a bit of grace, this is, hardly a very, this is a very hard balance to strike effectively. The ability to be constructively humble is a remarkably hard thing to pull off. People, no matter who they are, have a desire to be competent in something. We want to outline that worthlessness that we have and others mentioned talking about earlier. We want to have some sort of legacy that we can attach ourselves to. But we also can't overpromise, or worse, lie to people either. Humility is needed in society in order to tell the truth. It is needed to have a stable society in the first place. When humility is not present, society begins to fall apart. That's a big reason why everything seems to be going to hell, in my estimation. The raging lack of humility in positions that require competence is skewing everything to become non-innovative and uncompetitive. And that spells disaster for our society both domestically and on the world stage. Competence and self-awareness are things that carry society forward, not their opposites. To do so, however, will take convincing. And to do said convincing, here's our plan of attack. First, we must discuss what humility's benefits are and why people should seek them. Second, we will examine why humility is being ripped away in our culture. And lastly, we will discuss what we can do to restore it and, consequently, reap the benefits that it will inevitably will bring our way should it be implemented properly. Oh, and to anyone who bakes zucchini bread as dessert for their children, a massive go-fuck-yourself to you, sir or madam. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Almost like the people who don't have gluten allergies that are gluten-free for some godforsaken reason. Ugh, awful. Northeast Ohio isn't known for many things besides shitty professional football and LeBron James, even though the Browns won on Thursday night. Go Browns. Other than that, the greater culture is a miss to what that part of the country is actually like. And I, being from there, know quite a great deal about what that part of the world entails and why it entails it. Most of the people from Northeast Ohio are very nice folks that are very typical of the Midwestern ethos. They work very hard and keep their lives small. They like tradition, like football followed by church on Sundays. They care about their families. They, help, they hate cold weather but don't want to move away from it because it's too close to their identities to do so. They're generally dismissive and distrustful of big things like corporation and the corporations and the government that they, oftentimes rightly, don't care about them or their value systems, which, in large part, like I said, they don't. And these things, in combination, generally lead to an outcome of brazen toughness and resolve. But toughness, as we discussed, can only take place when you maintain your sovereignty and do not let anyone else dictate your emotional state. When that happens, when your sovereignty and toughness leave you, you open yourself up to be taken advantage of by other people. And, in a place like Northeast Ohio, being taken advantage of can have serious consequences. When my dad was in college in the early 1990s, he would go with his girlfriend, who turned out to be my mom, to a small towny bar in their hometown of Grafton. Grafton, a town made up of small factories and farmland, was a typical Midwestern community. 
a lot of hard, nice working people, or hard, no, a lot of, oof, a lot of nice, hardworking people who wanted to occasionally blow off steam with a couple 50 cent beers and a game of darts after work at a local community college or work at a, one of the small local plants. It was a small bar that was fitting for a small place. However, being a small bar in a small place does not make it all immune from big time bar douchebags. And this bar was frequented by one douchebag in particular. The douchebag was a few years older than my parents. He was a decently big guy who worked, on, worked a ton, worked on a line at a local factory, lifted lots of weights, and drank more bottles of Coors Banquet per night than he had brain cells bouncing around in his skull. And this mixture made this man a very dangerous individual, particularly in the hours after midnight. In fact, what my dad saw out of this man in the formative years of he and my mom going to school made him carve the, quote, nothing good happens after midnight rule in stone for all of his kids to follow. It was a non-negotiable because he saw the harm that it could do should it be ignored. The douchebag, being the biggest and baddest in the local bar, got into a lot of fights, most of which were ones that he himself picked. This is when you could still get away with doing stuff like that. For supposedly being so tough, he had an odd way of showing it. It was like the reverse of the movie Roadhouse. Instead of defending the bar in the middle of the field, the douchebag would use the bar as his personal UFC octagon. He asserted his dominance often. The knights all went the same way. The douchebag would come in, pick a fight with some poor stranger, kick his teeth in, and drink himself to sleep to distract him from his own miserable existence. But the douchebag, the bully, is only as good as the person who is even more of a douchebag and bully as he is. One night, as my dad recalls, the douchebag walked into that bar to see a new person sitting there that he had never seen. And unlike the common patrons that generally frequented the establishment, this guy was different. He was bigger than the douchebag was. He was more muscular. He had more of a commanding presence. This, naturally, was a threat to the douchebag. So, to solve that threat, he did what he always did. My dad never told me specifics about what he witnessed that night. I've never asked him to give them. I don't think he wants to remember them himself. But what he did tell me was he had, that he had never seen anyone get beaten as badly as the douchebag got beaten that night. He was in the hospital for months. He eventually could start walking again, but it took, it took an incredibly long time. He never went back to that bar ever again, and hardly anyone ever saw him afterwards. There are many lessons that can be taken from this story. Don't drink above your weight class. If a situation doesn't feel right, you should probably remove yourself from that situation. If there's a bar that's in front of a cornfield, it's probably a good idea to stay away from it. And for the love of God, if you see a man with chunky ears and a bad attitude at the corner of a bar drinking a straight Jack Daniels, stay the fuck away from him. But my dad, in his usual fashion, had a different way of phrasing his life-changing encounter with the douchebag that night, one that he had repeated to me and will probably always repeat to me my entire life. Quote, Samo, there's always going to be a tougher guy in the bar. Or, in the words of Tim Dillon and his father, never overestimate your worth. There will always be a tougher guy in the bar than you. There will always be another girl that's hotter than you. There will always be a person that scores better or jumps higher or pulls women better than you do. This is the law of eternal averages, in effect. If you don't adhere to it, it can and will bite you in the ass. And sometimes kick your ass, in the case of the douchebag. However, this and other realizations are much easier to digest when you can see the benefits attached to them at their endpoints. Human beings respond to incentives. Ergo, you respond to incentives. Incentives do not have to be bad things, nor things that are unhealthy for you should you indulge in a massive binge of a certain type. Some benefits, and I would argue the best benefits, are intangible. 
The first benefit of retaining the spirit of humility is that you can see that there's room for improvement within yourself and your domain of expertise. This is where most people who are high achievers early can fall flat on their face. They can't sustain themselves in the momentum that they've built, so they simply crash when they feel that they've climbed the mountain. But the mountain, usually, is never all the way climbed. You can't burn all the bridges and scorch all of the earth. You can be content in leaving something and pursuing something else should it align with your values and what you feel is best for yourself and your duties to other people should that indeed be the right decision. But, usually, only truly arrogant people feel that they have nothing left to learn when they feel that something on the, that they embark upon has been conquered. If you are not humble, you will believe that you've reached the peak of your powers, that you've conquered your proverbial world, whatever that world may be. You will feel that you've reached your apex. You will feel that you are the standard. The thing that you must be stri striven to attain as you progress in your journey towards whatever you choose to falsely preach towards everyone else. However, if you adopt this mindset, even if you have gotten further than most, you must ask yourself a question. What happens when you voluntarily choose to stop and not seek improvement? And the answer, when you think about it, is simple. You won't improve. You won't get better. You'll stay where you are in your hubris, falsely thinking that no one can fuck with you or touch you. But this is untrue. There are always people that are coming for what you have in the world, whether you want to admit it or not. Human beings are sometimes very broken and spiteful creatures. If you have something of value, people are most likely going to want to take it from you. But if you're humble, this will not happen to you. You'll be self-aware. You'll examine yourself and begin to see that you can, indeed, get better. You can improve. You can provide even more value than you do and be even more valuable than you did before you made this realization. You can see that, despite your necessarily necessary human limitations, that you are more valuable because of your limitations than pretending that you don't have any. Ignorant people who cannot see their own humanness and failings are people that are rigid and stuck. People are understandably afraid of associating with people who are rigid and stuck. It's startling, and rightly so. Humility, however, spares you from this. You don't have to be anywhere that you don't do or don't want to be. You can always change. And the best way to change is by being better than what you are. And to follow this point, a lack of humility also steers you right into taking opportunities that are not worth taking on. An arrogant man, one who is without a shred of humility, sees everything in the world as something to conquer. He sees everything as a challenge. There is nothing of meaning in the world, only something to be dominated. He cannot see the forest through the trees because he is too focused on burning the forest down. In this mindset, the mind of the arrogant man can only perceive one thing, his futile and narcissistic attempts to bend the world to his will. And this, obviously, is incorrect. This does not mean that you shouldn't seek challenges and go after goals and create systems of habit in order to attain those goals, because those are all good things. But like values and everything that revolves around them, they have to be selected incredibly carefully. A man who values everything values nothing. A man who goes after every challenge that presents itself to him is the man with no real challenges that he has forces himself to confront. Pride is the enemy. It is the root of all evil, the buttress of all sin. A big reason for this is because that pride is, both definitionally and practically, the complete opposite of humility. It is the trait that precedes arrogance and emboldens entitlement. And it is pride, particularly when it comes to opportunity, that will most likely prevent you from taking the best ones. The reasoning behind this is that prideful people are incapable of consolidating their options, no matter whatever the challenge may be. It could be how many women he wants to fuck, how many fake businesses he wants to start, how many deals he wants to close. 
It's an insatiable appetite, a bottomless pit for more and more and more. Because that's all a prideful person cares about. Quality is irrelevant to them. Quantity is everything to them. Pride is excess culture taken to the farthest degree imaginable. It waters down value. It distorts everything that is relevant to your life into irrelevance by its very nature. By absorbing everything you can absorb, you naturally will begin to neglect what you need to tend to, most importantly your values and the things that are reflected by them. The humble person, on the contrary, knows this to be true. The humble person, should he indeed be so, sees the tragic necessity of whittling down his options to those that best serve his value system. Pride is the art and science of consolidating the unlimited options into a pool that can best cause you to live a life of meaning and value. And what this looks like, in practice, is streamlining your options. A humble person, one that shuns pride, creates the options for themselves out of a pool of unlimited values based on his or her value system. That way, you can use your knowledge to its fullest capacity and your ability towards the most impactful by choosing ones that reflect who you want to be perceived as and, more importantly, perceive in terms of those who depend on and value you as an individual. Finally, pride, being an emotion, can blind you. Therefore, when you do the opposite of pride, you naturally take your emotions out of your decision-making process. The one common thing about arrogant people is that they're very loud. Everything about them, ranging from their sexual identity to their clothing style to what kind of shows they watch on Netflix, is loud. It's done not for internal fulfillment, but for external validation. Humble people, on the contrary, are not loud. They don't feel the need to bloviate about things they cannot do. This, therefore, allows them to make better decisions because they're making them for themselves. Instead of being beholden to the opinions of other people who must, most likely neither care nor feel for that person and how their, those definitions will affect them, you will reclaim your sovereignty, place yourself on the strong side of the toughness gap, and go about your life as free. In creating this environment for yourself, you allow yourself a clearer headspace and, with that, a better space for yourself to make good decisions for yourself and those that you value. The heads of both loud people and arrogant people are very crowded. There's no space for growth and innovation because it's all been squeezed out by entitlement and narcissism. When you're humble, you guarantee yourself that you can not only, li not only live a less emotionally charged life, but a more fulfilling one. And so, that being said, those are all good things. But why does our culture seem not to want them? You'd be hard-pressed to find a more fierce and necessarily necessary excuse me, cultural critic in today's America than Jason Whitlock. A lifetime sportscaster, Whitlock's career took a bizarre turn when he left since the companies like ESPN and Fox Sports to go to Glenn Black's media company, The Blaze. While being known for his heterodox opinions on cable news shows, particularly those that were critical and against the narrative of racial agendas, that move was a stretch even for me, who had liked and followed Whitlock for a very long time. I was even more surprised when Whitlock's new show, Fearless, hit the podcast networks. Whitlock, as it turns out, is an immensely passionate Christian and a keen cultural observer. Those two things, in combination, allowed Whitlock a creative opportunity, using Beck's platform to craft the show that he always wanted to create, a show that expressed his opinion on the things that are going on in the world, culture and sports in a biblical worldview. 
Well, Whitlock had done the first part before the founding of the ESPN's The Undefeated, a black-based contributorship to sports writing, and FS1 Speaks Yourself, where two black commentators talk about happenings in sports. This is the first time that Whitlock had the freedom to truly be himself and express his faith as the defining focus on his messages to the world. Of all of Whitlock's Firestarter monologues, no point drove home his philosophy and current lack of humility in America quite like the one he did a few weeks ago back on the content creator phenomenon. The linchpin for Whitlock's take was an eight-second TikTok posted by Rhode Island Congresswoman Tiara Mack, who had taken a video twerking on a beach as a campaign advertisement to get more people in her constituency to vote for her in her upcoming state election. Mack, after receiving heavy criticism and refusing to take the post down, was eventually, and surprisingly, targeted by TikTok and had the video eventually taken down for her. Mac said all the right things in the aftermath of the incident. She said that as a, quote, young, queer, black woman, that it felt, quote, inauthentic to be fully clothed all of the time. That, in order to express herself and, quote, come into her own in such a whitewashed and heteronormative world, she needed to twerk on a beach for all of her followers and voters to see. She seemingly had no sense of how absurd literally every word that came out of her mouth sounded. She was completely immune to her own stupidity, her own narcissism, her own pride. It was truly astonishing. Whitlock, hating all of those things with a passion, chose to take that moment of Tiara Mac and lay waste to the entire, quote, content creation industry. Already a controversial figure for his unrelenting and oftentimes merciless call out of modern culture, particularly of black people in the direction he sees that culture leading them towards an abundance, Whitlock ripped into everything from the Nelk boys to Kim Kardashian, calling their antics on social media, quote, satanic, for adhering to worldly values instead of biblical ones. This, even though harsh, is not without reason. The current culture in America, which is mostly influenced by influencers and social media acolytes, are destroying humility. They promote false expertise about things that they know nothing about. They parrot delusions about what human beings should desire. They distort and whore out values that it only serves them selflessly while leaving, their selfless as, leaving the selfless as social pariahs. The thing that people don't realize about culture is that it has a price. Everything that you do has some sort of associated cost to it. And the reality about current culture in America is that the persona of the humble person is not one that the culture pays for. In fact, the currency that humility can shell out is often sent away in immense disdain and anger. They don't like it. They don't know what to do with it. They won't accept it, no matter how fruitful it may turn out to be for them in the end. The currency that culture takes, unfortunately, is humility's opposite. Attention. Attention pays the bills. Whether you're a wannabe congresswoman from Rhode Island, a renegade governor from Florida, or an incel commenting on both his basement, both in his basement while jerking off to his mom's panties. Without a more definition of how to derive value from your life other than the external validation of people, Drift in culture begins to shift the culture. Since attention has been started to pay the bills of numerous people, those same people have naturally drifted away from what had derived value in the world to what currently does derive value in the world. And what derives value from the world, as emphasized by T.R. Mack and the content creator industry, is hedonism and valueless behavior. All that you need to do is gain attention in society today is embody unmoored morality and decision-making while being all things to all people. When those two things are done in sync, you're guaranteed to draw some sort of audience. And this behavior, driven by external validation and the attention that comes with it, has enticed people to willingly make fools out of themselves both in the internet and in their daily lives. It becomes almost like a quasi-addiction. You can't stop because the feeling that you have when it's ripped away from you and given to someone else 
as all these things tend to do, is too painful to endure. Therefore, you become trapped in a hedonic treadmill of death, forced to keep spiraling further and further until you no longer recognize who you are. Humility doesn't sell because humility, in today's world, doesn't draw eyeballs. It doesn't appeal to social media algorithms and our overlords that make money off of using them and you. It doesn't pay to be a good person, or to say that you're not ready for something, or to say that you suck at most things, or to say that you should live a life in service to something other than yourself. It does pay to be a shitty person, say that you're ready for everything, that you're great at most things, and that you should serve yourself totally and completely. This is a very bad sign for both the future of individualism and of society. An elevation of valueless behavior and fake expertise will lead, as we've seen, to lies being perpetuated deep within ourselves and society. Our expert and ruling classes and the mobs that enforce them are prime examples of this in action. The only things you need to destroy something, sovereign, are things that take away from the independence of individuals and collective values, which is exactly what pride does and why it despises humility with the intensity that it does. Sovereignty and value is dependent on scarcity. You only get one chance to be who you are. Your values are only as precious as those what you hold against them. For all the talk of, quote, an abundance mindset in our culture now, it's actually the complete opposite that gives life any meaning at all. The ability to shun things, to say no, to turn yourself over and to surrender to some things and not all of them, is the key to living a life that actually has any worth. The key to doing this, and to surviving in a culture that does the opposite of this, is to treat your life values, and those that depend on you with enough humility to carry you throughout all the bullshit. If the lies of arrogance and entitlement are embedded deep within ourselves and our culture, bad things will and are happening. It will cause our very foundations to be ripped away and replaced with something that cannot stand a chance of doing the job of upholding something of integrity and true value. It will be standing on nothing but false assertions and lies. A bed of arrogant entitlement woven together by meaningless platitudes and endless claims of saying something impactful while actually saying nothing at all. If you are not bolstered by anything of value, you are worth nothing. If you do nothing but chase excess, your life will have nothing but what you've left behind. This is the sad result of a life defined by pride and not by humility. It's all fake. It's all a lie. Nothing of substance lies underneath the surface whatsoever. It's all a shell, a mirage, something that is kept up by nothing but what you've used to deceive people. It's truly a shameful thing, and even though pride helped get it there, nothing you should be proud of at all. Throughout this cultural shift, the value of humility has been lost. The drifting cultural trends toward narcissism perpetuated on social media have ripped away all the value that the United States used to get from its humble attitude towards themselves and others to all of our detriment. It has led to our society becoming increasingly self-centered and unaware, which has led to its remarkably short time. When you have a society that remains prideful, when it doesn't think that anyone is nipping at its heels to get what you currently have, you ha get a society that is just one strong push away from tipping itself over and shattering into a million pieces. This, needless to say, is a complete opposite fuel that is needed to stoke the fire of humility. Humility is not driven by attention or narcissism or arrogance or pride. Rather, it is driven by an innate insecurity, one that cannot, and should not, ever leave you. The inability for most Americans to come to terms with that hard fact in life is what is propagating the destruction of humility to our degradation and to the benefit of those that profit off of our misery. To restore our sovereignty, regain our humility, and begin to truly value our values, 
We must find a way to restore all of those and reap those benefits in constructive fashion. So, what if humility? Does it have a place in our culture? Is it even possible to restore what we once had and regain what we lost? At this point in time, I'm not entirely sure that it is. We've gone pretty fucking far off the deep end in many ways. If there's anything that's ridiculously hard to come back from, it's self-absorption. Once you begin to orient your world around the self, you'll realize that you begin to like yourself too much, probably much more than you should. This is not saying that you should not like nor be able to live with yourself. Those are definitely two things you need to do. However, you must do so with the right mindset. No one, not even you, likes a narcissist. This is because no one, including you, benefits from narcissism. It could and does feel good in the short term. You feel empowered, important, and prestigious. But when all of that begins to melt away when you discover that everything that you've created is built on the back of fraudulence, what you once had begins to lose its luster. The shine begins to wear off. You begin to see that you're not much as hot shit as you thought you were. People will begin to treat you accordingly. A tremendous fear will begin to come over you because your whole sense of self will begin to erode. This is not good. I don't wish this upon anybody. Complete loss of subjective identity is an excruciatingly difficult and painful process, no matter what the flapper zombies or various Native American tribes will tell you. Particularly when it's completely your own doing, the destruction of one's identity to themselves and others via their own narcissism is perhaps the worst thing that can ever happen to someone in their journey towards actually achieving a life of competence and meaning. To restore a constructive sense of identity through a value-based lifestyle, we must discover how we can first restore humility within ourselves, reap the benefits, show them to the world, and have them begin to trickle out with those people who value us and what we can bring. The first thing and the most important thing that you can do to live a more humble life is to practice one. The best way to practice anything, especially humility, is to value humility. Should you choose to put it on a pedestal, you will naturally fall to your knees and look up to it. It's the same as any other idol, god, or pleasantry that we elevate to become higher than we are. Should you in some way look up to it, you will be forced to adhere to the power it will naturally hold over you and your life. This does not and should not be done in a way that compromises your life in a destructive way. You shouldn't walk around being deliberately weak and subservient to anything. That is the complete opposite of humility because it is purposely giving up your sovereignty in something that does not deserve your so or to something that does not deserve your sovereignty. The best way to practice something is by how you should practice all things, little by little and bit by bit. You'll begin to see something somewhat paradoxical happen should you begin to do this. If you begin to integrate humility in your day-to-day -day lifestyle, something particular will happen to you. Something that everyone has told you apparently wasn't possible before everything began to shift. People will begin to gravitate towards you. In a bizarre twist of the knife of irony, people don't like those who go about their lives in loud and often sometimes condescending fashion. Unless you're at the scale of someone in the zeitgeist, most people will make you a pariah. They won't want to associate with you because you will, rightly, come off as a deeply pretentious asshole. No one wants to hang out with a deeply pretentious asshole because those people are the worst. On the contrary, people do like hanging out with people who feel the opposite of this and do the opposite of this. People enjoy hanging out with those they feel go about their lives in a way that is conducive to their well-being just as much as that person's. They feel that they can trust them more. They feel that they can open up to and have more fun with them more than they can with someone who feels that they are already better than them. 
magnetism, especially to people who are good for you, is a superpower and something that is impossible when your life is consumed by narcissism. When people begin to gravitate towards your humility, you'll begin to see that there is a better and healthier way of gaining respect than you did in your previous life. When you can attract people by deliberately not seeking their attention and validation, you will come off as confident and secure. Arrogant people, by definition, are not those things. They go out of their way to avoid being them by putting on a performance every time they interact with people. In adopting a mindset of humility, you can open up doors that not a lot of people think are possible by simply doing the opposite of what closes them. What a concept. Second, it would be wise for you to talk less. This may, and probably is, sounding critical coming from a person who quite literally does nothing but project thoughts out of his body with the vehicles of talking and words. However, this is not saying that you need to self-censor yourself or silence your ideas. It means simply that you need to bloviate less and work more. There are many people who talk about doing things but yet never do them. There are many people who say that they want to, quote, follow their dreams and, quote, embody a spirit of happiness or whatever bullshit they heard from The Bachelor or Charlie D'Amelio last Tuesday. They think that by saying these things, by constantly projecting them, that they will somehow manifest themselves into their realities and the very whims of those projected thoughts. This is the wrong approach, the arrogant approach, towards wanting to become better at something. And, in actuality, what people don't realize, mostly because they've been lied to about its opposite, is that shutting up and actually doing something on occasion instead of merely talking about it has a tremendous amount of benefits not only towards what that thing is, but also to you as a person. The reasoning is just like Lil Wayne immortally said, real G's move in silence like lasagna. The people who put their heads down and carve out the future they want for themselves through humble action feel better, as it turns out, than the people who do not embody and do these things. You will feel quietly but significantly better about yourself and what you're doing by shutting out the noise, not making any of your own, and centralizing your sovereignty and good decision-making so that you and you alone are the primary influence behind what you do to make things happen in your life. Additionally, and more importantly, actions, not words, are what produce tangible benefits in whatever endeavor you choose to embark upon. You cannot simply create your own reality in your head. Your reality is created by calloused hands and a sweaty forehead. Even if you don't work hard and hard in manual labor, this remains to be true. To be the best you can be at something, you have to practice it, whether that's being a great boyfriend or a fantastic software engineer or a good son. The principles are always the same, even though the scenario can, and usually does, end up changing. Finally, the fact of the matter is that people don't like talking to idiots. There are some that do, but it isn't necessarily the best demographic for you to be spending time wooing. Anyone worth their salt that is worth talking to, no matter who that person is, is worth talking and associating with simply because they have earned the right to be in the conversation. You aren't entitled to be worth anything. It goes against the very essence of human nature and what it is valued over time. You showing your merit in a particular domain and you dominating it. Being a competent person when talking to people, being humble enough to know that you're not entitled to associate with people or have them associate with you for the simple and shallow ability to do so, is one of the key lessons you can learn when changing mindsets about how you conduct your life. To keep yourself humble, finally, learn to love the small more than you love the big. The bigger your life is, the more you will always be confused about what is truly valuable to you. Small is always better than big when it comes to the most important things in your life. Like our values, this is a matter of allocation and investment. You can't and shouldn't try to go a millimeter in a million directions, because that will only lead to burnout and shallow relationships. 
The truth is that the small things in life will always outweigh the big things for the simple reason that the, that the quote, big things are scarce. You only get married once, but you have thousands of chances to eat dinner with your wife without attempting to strangle one another. Your kids only get born once, but you have a million opportunities to hopefully make endless days. You only have a couple of chances to get promoted at work, but you have hundreds of thousands of hours to log that could either prevent or encourage you to put the barrel of a shotgun in your mouth. And truly, those events are largely meaningless in the grand scale of your life. Sure, they're cool and they mean something significant, but life, like any type of investing, is about compound interest. It's the little things over time that lead to big things, not necessarily the big things in and of themselves. There's simply too few and far between to bank your life on them. If you do, then you'll be disappointed as you go through it more times than not. This is true of people as well as events and things. When the circle of people you truly enjoy hanging out with gets smaller, you conversely get a chance to reap much more value from those people than people you otherwise would not have. A centralizing of influence not only betters you, but your relationships with other people. Relationships rely on unconditionality to survive and thrive. If unconditional benefit isn't conveyed onto them from you, there is very little chance the relationship will prosper long term. Making your life smaller and more humble is the best way to gain benefit for those things and for you. Humility adds value to our lives because it gives us the permission to shrink them. Humility, the antithesis of the prideful hedonism that dominates American life, allows us the ability to seek only the things that most matter to us. Simultaneously, it brings us up, uh, upward by reminding us that we have a lot to get better at, improve upon, and seek out. This mindset, once adopted and more importantly practiced, will set up anyone for a myriad of successes in a myriad of different ways. The key, per usual, is in the practice of living in the moment. Each is precious, and each is too valuable to waste. And that, not 90s-style Wendy's specialty chicken sandwiches, is what America means to me. Okay, so that was cool. I thought that was I thought that was an interesting topic. Again, it was it's something that I I need to think about more. It's something that I think we all need to think about more, especially since you know everything in life is a TikTok now. Everything is kind of a show for a lot of people in some bizarre reason. Living a small life with kind of small and not small ambitions, I would say, but just kind of knowing what knowing what you value. That's what that's what's important. Knowing what you value is important. Which is why you need to listen to more of my shit. You need to buy my fucking book. You need to do all this kind of stuff because I talk about this all the time. Value and Economic Study of Identity right now on all platforms, 4.7 stars on Amazon, pretty good. And we had one lady get, I guess, some Karen get really angry at me on Amazon. I guess I think that was probably a Karen that got angry at me at Amazon, but that's neither here nor there. Don't read this blog.com to listen to this podcast. And thank you guys so much for listening. I really, really appreciate you. Own the day. Open your mind. Talk to you guys next week. Stopping, hopping like a rabbit When I take the Nina Ross, you know I got to have it I lay back in the cut, retain myself Think about the shit and I think it well How can I mix my grip? And how should I make that nigga straight?